Some boy, boy, yeah, boy. Do we got a special one for you guys today? I'm gonna go ahead and introduce the crew and our very special guest. As you can tell, we are in a new little set, little new environment. Oh, it's so nice out here. Where, where are we again, Camp Brother Kevin? Uh, my new house. <laughs> uh, actually, we're in the JACC uh, garden, mm-hmm. um, kind of in front of this beautiful scene of greenery. Um, in the cultural community center in the basement next to the culinary center and little tokyo yeah little tokyo la and thank you so much jacc for allowing us to use this space um let's go ahead and do uh you know quick intros Intros. who we got up yo what up it's kevin aka atticus warhol aka lab the rat aka genghis kev (laughs) (laughs) sevy sev cash money sev the savage uh, you already know who it is. It's your boy Q coming with that heat every single week. And uh, oh my gosh, I can't believe we're sitting here with this week's special guest. I'm, who? Please let the people know who you are. Who are you? Who are you? Wait, who are you? Who is I? Uh, my name is Christopher Ono. Yeah. AKA new one. Ono Delicious. Yeah, Ooh. Ono Delicious. Yeah. I like that. Chef Delicious. Chef Delicious. Um, the Ono Kase. Man, ono kase. so, so <laughs> we actually have a legit chef with us here today. He be, this will be cooking. My main question, you know, we're kind of just getting through all this holiday season stuff. What's on your holiday meal prep list? Are you doing any funky, crazy things? You doing any crazy dishes? Are you more of the classic, you know? meat and potatoes type of guy um well christmas use the smoker so i broke out oh, smoker okay smoked some ribs um made like a kind of like a david chang ish honey chili chili uh, sauce mm-hmm. so i got uh one of my stocking stuffers was the momofuku chili oh, crisp yeah. <laughs> the honey hot honey one yeah no oh. it was just the straight up shirt sure. yeah but i mixed it with honey a uh, little little blended pineapple put that on the rib yeah yeah so that's kind of i think like during this time anything related to smoke is good that's mm-hmm. bomb in many different forms yeah <laughs> catch a smoke catch a smoke <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah it's kind of you know it feels like cozy that you is smell that apple wood yeah yeah so using a smoker in the new year's not sure yet yeah but we always throw down uh my going to my uncle's Mm. He always throws down a very traditional spread, you know. So classic. I'm excited for that. That's pretty tight. Smoker sounds amazing. As soon as you said smoker, I was like, mm-hmm. ooh, <laughs> sheesh. Eat that. Did you guys do any chef in this? You know. Um, what did we do? I mean, there was prime rib at like basically everyone's house. Nice. And then you kind of like get the the variations of seasoning some yeah. are like you know underdone some are overdone <laughs> some are you know lacking in the department but i had to make a uh, mac and cheese for each and every one of them wow. so that was cool and by special request uh my uh cousins they were like can you put hot dogs in that and, and i'm mac like and cheese? yeah and i was like no <laughs> and adrian was like see they love oh. hot dogs they love hot dogs <laughs> so I kind of like, you know, I, I do my thing, try my best to be a pro home cook. I put like Gruyere and like UK red cheddar, okay. Parmesan Reggiano, 
and mix that in a bechamel sauce to all put in a dollar fifty pasta shells. <laughs> <laughs> and then like they're like, oh, we want hot dogs. So I went to like Mitsua and got like these like wagyu hot dogs that uh, I've had my eye on, but can't seem to pull the trigger on because yeah. I'm like, no one's gonna appreciate a hot dog. I, yeah. I'll go, I'll go get a Where Costco, <laughs> and everyone can eat, you know, a ton of like dinner franks. But that was fun, um, kind of like doing that. Plus they they. Mac and cheese is such a staple. Yeah. You know? Can't go wrong with no. cheese and mac. You know, it's a trend that I saw What's going up? on this uh, this uh, past Christmas or, you know, is uh, I feel like since we were maybe, I don't know, maybe like 12 or 13 or something like that, our mom started doing, uh, instead of doing the classic, like, you know, cooking the turkey or I don't know, whatever people are eating during Christmas, the chicken and blah, 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 mashed mm-hmm. potatoes, all that. She started doing like crabs and steaks. What? So this was like a hell long ago. So every year she always has been doing crab and steak every Christmas <laughs> since like 20 whatever, maybe like 27, you know, 2006 or something she's been doing. Yeah. But it was funny because she was talking to us because she went and she went to like, there's a San Pedro, there's a big fish market. Yeah. And um, so she went out there to go get the crab and all that and she was saying like damn it was like harder to pick up stuff because oh, so many people dude. are doing like surf and turf this holiday really? season and so she said that and i was just like i haven't noticed but then as a christmas day was going on i was like holy shit it really was like oh everyone was on, on tons the- of people yeah. from like all over like oh, okay. across the bay up and down here everyone was doing uh, surf and turf i thought that was really interesting. Yeah. i mean that's i i yeah. I don't consider that like a staple of Christmas. You right? know? Maybe it's the marketing, like uh, Japanese fried chicken. Yeah, you know, just like, hey, get your surfing trip going on this no, year. My first thought was like, damn, there's gonna be no more crab by time Dude, isn't it? Wow. <laughs> next yeah. next holiday season. Yeah, if this is like a oh, trend. Man. Like now, it's gonna be competitive getting yeah. our meats. <laughs> I mean, it's always like kind of like strap, but like, uh, do you guys eat the the crab miso? Of like the like when you open up the crab, there's like. Can, can you, can, Chris, can you explain what crab miso is? Yeah, so crab miso is basically the innards of a crab. Yeah, so after you steam it or boil it, um, you have this very uh, creamy, unctuous, like sea mm-hmm. kind of flavor. A lot of cholesterol, though. <laughs> That's the good stuff. Yeah, um, but it's delicious. Like the best thing to do with that in my opinion, take a little egg, dashi, oh. make a chow and mushi out of the head. Oh. Right? So then you kind of use that flavor in there. Um, but some people just take it, put it over rice. Interesting. Yeah. Make a crab rice bowl. So really it's not the meaty part. It's no, kind of like the softness. The, so you open the head mm. and then what's like inside of there mm. um, is basically the crab miso. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. On it's, top of rice. Some great. people don't like it because it's like pretty like, was it, is accurate the right word? It's like a strong fish. It's very strong. Because yeah, it could be. Yeah. 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 But it's like, you know, that's like high level, mm. like crab expert mm. deliciousness mm. that you kind of like eat. And, you know, for, for people who are like, oh, I just want the, like, yeah. crab cakes, you know, it's definitely not the the same. <laughs> like, right? I mean, it's like, the, <laughs> like, I knew a person that would only eat shrimp heads. Yeah. Like, they wouldn't yeah. eat the tail. Similar. And yeah. Very similar. In, not the yeah. tail. Shrimp yeah. heads are intense. I, one of my exes, like, really loved this shrimp head. She was like, you ain't eating a shrimp head? <laughs> she was like, I'll take over. And you just hear, like, shh, 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 like, uh, I was dude. just, like, hardcore. No. <laughs> no that's, that's fun, though. Man, you know what? 
the reason why we bring up talking all this, you know, holiday cooking, all this holiday food is because uh, Chris is a chef. <laughs> Can you tell us a little bit more about what you do and why we're even at this area within the JACC? Yeah, so um, this area is actually really what kind of drew me into this position I'm in uh, now, which is chef and resident of the JCCC. Um, so earlier this year, I accepted a position to basically consult and build out the kitchen space adjacent to this garden, you know, and, and for me, like having a magical garden and gigantic, you know, dining room, uh, you know, just made a lot of sense to, yeah. to be here. Yeah. Uh, it's hard not to like come into work when you have something like this. Mm -hmm. um, and really understanding the history and the meaning behind the garden itself um, was something special and unique. And, you know, I think I could have served, you know, fried chicken and mashed potatoes. <laughs> and it'd be great, you know, because it's like hard not to like sitting here and eating. Yeah. Um, the focus, you know, really became, you know, the past year is to focus on Japanese American cooking, uh, which is, um, you know, something that was true to my heart before here, but it kind of really became the goal, you know, in mind to kind of figure out what that means. Mm -hmm. You know, because if you think about it, um, teriyaki sauce is like a household name, mm -hmm. you know, so it's something that uh, in a lot of ways is like highly commercialized, mm -hmm. um, you know, almost like, you know, just very... Uh, just low accessible. low end food accessible mm -hmm. uh you know i was in in big bear the other like a couple months ago and there's teriyaki sauce everywhere yeah. <laughs> in big bear, like yeah. you you know you don't under like big bears a very american you yeah. know like you don't really yeah. there's some chinese couple chinese restaurants yeah. um but teriyaki sauce you yeah. could probably find in the middle of the United States, in the mountains, yeah. <laughs> at a and like, crazy high elevation, just, it's just such a you know accessible, exact accessible thing. Mm -hmm. But really understanding like why it became like that mm -hmm. and why Japanese American food isn't like a thing is oh. kind of the question that mm -hmm. I kind of had to ask myself and also the community around so, me. Yeah. Did you, um, I guess, kind of come to an answer in your kind of journey and search of why teriyaki sauce? is like you know so prevalent in these small little sleepy towns but like everyone has teriyaki chicken rice bowl you know, it's like mainstream yeah. but not right uh, or you know it's yeah. like like accessible but was your question just like why isn't it like even more popular or something or like because um, there's different i feel like different foods like trend sometimes mm, in different moments and I yeah don't know. i think i don't know why teriyaki mm. is so accessible maybe because it's sweet mm. you know and and very um just <laughs> delicious yeah. I guess, yeah. in a weird way um but you know i think understanding japanese american cuisine was a real question um that i was asking a long time ago yeah. you know kind of like um there's no japanese american chefs you know that really do just that mm. you know there's a lot of chinese american chefs and italian american chefs who do their specific um united states italian food mm. you know, right or like american italian food 
it's kind of a thing you know mm -hmm. you could kind of really differentiate the two you know it, obviously like now food is just such a um such a big thing yeah. you know over the past 20 years yeah. versus before where you know ethnic food was pretty specific you yeah know, now it's very blend everything's all blended together mm -hmm. um but i think i'm still trying to understand you know that's pretty amazing yeah. so how long did you or how long have you been you know chefing uh -huh. and what kind of got you into it initially like were you just messing around in the kitchen one day like i like this or like how was that i guess that process and that journey yeah i think um initially it was just being creative you mm. know and trying to use my hands mm. um i was always like growing up doing something artistic um and felt more comfortable shaping things like i was ceramics major mm. in mm. college and then dj for a long time kind of oh. always you know hands on like yeah, yeah shied away from sports in a way because i wanted to save my hands you know like, i don't want to like because <laughs> if i sprained my finger or something yeah, in football and then yeah. it's like i couldn't do what i wanted to do like zoolander the hand model wearing yeah the gloves to protect my <laughs> the money makers yeah, yeah. basically so, so you're you're a dj after um kind of college years tell, tell me more about like that kind of journey leading up to dj yeah so djing started when i was 13 Whoa. and then um you know did all the high school dances and uh did a little bit of like some like minor battling here and there oh yeah cool. uh, moved to the bay area Yee. to be close to like the invisible scratch pickles mm. and kind of that whole like mecca of that art turntablism um and really kind of made a choice at one point like because it w there was a point where i was interested in cooking and i was still djing djing took a lot of time mm -hmm. it's different that was also a different era of like where you actually had you know mobile yeah. djing like required taking hundreds of pounds of records everywhere yeah, so yeah, it was yeah. like a, it was pretty like physical kind of different yeah. now it's like you just laptop laptop you just plug it in, in. you're like uh, yeah, i'm yeah. not even playing this I'm yeah you're just kind of like pressing yeah different different um but san francisco yeah i made a choice like mm -hmm. i got you know start to cook yeah um so i went to the culinary academy up there mm -hmm. it, they're all closed now on the cordon bleu Mm. Um, I remember, really? I remember the commercials and stuff. Yeah, yeah quite all of them are closed. Like, didn't even uh, the one I know the ones in the U.S. I think all no are way. because there's a huge lawsuit, oh, a dang. class action lawsuit. Oh. In um, in their like contract was like they're gonna help us oh, find jobs. And they really didn't. Oh, so in you know yeah. the restaurant industry in the night, like because let's see, I started early two thousands, but you know you get paid 750 or you know it was like yeah. six bucks or something yeah. and you know we had large tuition that we had to pay, pay off. back yeah. <laughs> like making like 750 hours it's like many years and I, I don't think they're really honest with how it is you know yeah. the restaurant industry mm -hmm. and it still is pretty tough mm -hmm. um i think it's better you know because mm -hmm. it's, it's a lot of people have fought Mm -hmm. to um create a better culture and a yeah. better you know structure for for people to work in mm -hmm. previously it was pretty hard you yeah know, it was different um it's something that no one wanted to do yeah you know and then like little by little 
as the Food Network started ramping up and um, Iron Chef and all these, mm, you know, top, top Chef really mm-hmm. probably was one of the biggest ones that really? everyone was like, I want to be a chef now. Yeah. Like, you know, that's amazing. You know, just like cook and make yeah. a ton of money and yeah. all this stuff like right away. And yeah. it's like, doesn't work like, like that, that. <laughs> really. I mean, if you want to be successful in any field, you know, you start from the ground up. Yeah. Right? yeah. So that's really- so what, what was that experience like going to culinary school? And then what were kind of the initial steps after uh, graduating or passing that particular point in your life? Um, So culinary school was pretty general, you Mm. know, like you don't really learn skills. Mm. You kind of learn a lot of different things, whether it be um, hospitality management. Just one moment. Sorry about that. No worries. Let this plane pass. You just see it just like, it's like 300 (laughs) feet above it. Hey, hey, you guys did a podcast? Yeah. <laughs> <You did it laughs> All right. And continue. So, yeah, it's pretty much general skills. Yeah, general skills. Um, the fundamentals. The fundamentals and not really anything to, you know. Edgy. <laughs> nothing to, like, write home and, like, oh my, tell my kids, like, oh, this is what I learned in culinary school. Yeah. Like, you know, you have to, like, you know, apply to your own life. It doesn't yeah. like that. Uh, initially moved back home to LA mm. because you know I knew I was gonna hit like a minimum wage job mm. and you know try to figure out okay ideally I could you know continue living in San Francisco which is very expensive or just try to move back home and uh, you know work work somewhere good mm. um, I chose Roy's which was actually the place that I had initially got interested in cooking um, I had a meal in high school and kind of was like blown away by the artistic side of food um and so started at newport beach roy's uh we did like three to six hundred covers a night it was insane yeah kind of like (laughs) i cut my my fingers probably every other day wow yeah and just like just be sweating you know and they like straight say like oh like i remember the chef there um uh chris garnier he would always say like oh man like just put a little ono essence on you know because i would sweat <laughs> sometimes like into the food oh, you know? essence. yeah he's like yeah just put a little ono essence in there <laughs> um so it was a pretty interesting experience but you know great and i started the sushi program there um so kind of had my you know from the very beginning you know tried to have my knives ready and you know my knife skills and learning how to break down basic fish and you know make sushi which is a whole different thing that you know unless you go to sushi school which Mm. there's one over here um you know then you don't really learn that Mm. kind of technique teach yourself those sushi skills Uh, on your own or like where'd you pick no i learned from um a couple chefs there got it um there's the chef lauren who had come from alan wong's in hawaii a lot of hawaii uh transplants at roy's um and then obviously you gotta teach yourself at that point mm. you know and then bounce around like i opened up downtown la roy's and then really wanted to learn like traditional sushi so i like ate at like 20 restaurants in la mm. and to me the one that stuck out was mori sushi in santa monica mm. um and you know he's my mentor and, and really close friend to this day mm. but he's the one who really kind of at, at some point kind of honed it back to tradition 
And Edomite style sushi is something oh, wow. totally different than what I was doing. You know, I was doing a lot of rolls. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, for example, we had one Lakani Lao roll was like tempura asparagus imitation crab, and then like, or no, it was actually maybe real crab, uh-huh. and then Kobe beef like seared <laughs> truffle oil and all this like crazy microgreens. Yeah. So that's like Micro you know greens. what I thought was sushi. Yeah. But then going back, um, you know, or starting at mori sushi it was mm-hmm. like okay like the rice is the most important mm-hmm. thing you know um and there's all these little things that you know i couldn't even slice fish oh. it's fish on rice mm. you know and the, the history of sushi obviously started um hundreds hundreds of years ago before refrigeration yeah. and it was all about preserving the fish mm-hmm. so those fish were you know i think the oldest style sushi is like inedible to most of us really? you know because yeah it's like just salted, you know, oh. just like dried jerky fish oh, on top of rice, pressed, and it just didn't look like huh. survival what sushi. it is today. <laughs> yeah, you yeah. know, now it's fresh. And, yeah, you know, it's a little different. Uh, it's very refined. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but you know, the point was is fish and rice, yeah. nothing else. Maybe wasabi and soy, but yeah. you know, the the focus was it was always um, you know seventy percent rice. 20% fish mm-hmm. and then 10% love. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's like what he that. that's what he always preached. The yeah. oh no essence. The, and then yeah. the little service. But as I, you know, transitioned to more sushi, uh, yeah, it was cooler. So mm. I didn't sweat as much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I remember like at Roy's I had like two head two armbands just no, like, yeah, because yeah, no, yeah, it was just so it was just tough too. Yeah, it was yeah. like a lot of it was a lot of um just a lot of work doing mm. 400 500 covers too. that's insane yeah, did so. that feel like like she said was that like boot camp for you after leaving roy's mm. did you feel more prepared for pretty much the challenges that came after or did um, it still get more difficult i as think time roy's went? still i was limited to sushi mm. you know and mm. it wasn't so i worked at providence mm. providence is my boot camp yeah you know? so um spent a couple years at morty and at, at some point i really wanted to cook because yeah. you know, sushi is sushi yeah right um there's some cooking elements to it but not to the point where you're like on the line on a brigade yeah um like fire this fire mm-hmm. that you know like it's different um so when you're i was exposed to providence um it was it yeah kicked my ass <laughs> you know, in a good way yeah um, what years did you work at providence uh so providence i was there uh, from 06 to about 09, 08. Oh, wow. yeah. um, and then at one point, I spent like a year as a line cook meat roast, which oh. is like the hardest. Oh, really? And I'm not really sure why they put me there, huh. but it, it like was really rough. Dang. So really rough. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Back to the Ono essence. Ono essence. For some of our listeners, I guess, like, uh, can you can you like describe Providence? I know uh, David uh, Chang talks about it, but yeah, Providence is, you know, my opinion, the best restaurant in LA, mm. uh, one of the best restaurants in the country. Um, Michael Simarusti and Donato Poto are the owners. Um, both have, prior to Providence, had esteemed careers. One at Valentino, and then Michael at Water Grill, and you know a lot of New York restaurants. Danielle and, um, you know two michelin stars yeah. um countless number one la times uh, 
years killing and it. just killing it mm -hmm. and you know when i was there uh michelin i think was just coming out yeah. so there was a lot of like just pressure mm. and a lot of you know focus to get that yeah. um when i was there i think they got one i'm pretty sure i was in japan i left for a few months to go to another restaurant in tokyo and i think they got their second wow. mori's mori sushi has had his one star for many years nice. um but you know the pressure with that and trying to mm. you know execute high level food you know yeah. consistently mm -hmm. and is is challenging yeah i know, can so. imagine so what's like the what is that pressure like working let's say at providence where there is all this pressure to kind of deliver at the highest form how is it being a part of a team like that um i mean amazing I, yeah. like when i sit here now you know i can mm. reflect on it mm -hmm. at the time it's tough yeah you know i mean um every michelin star restaurant i've been to which is providence la Masson park uh ryugin in tokyo um you know everything matters mm -hmm. right and when you're trying to get two or three stars mm -hmm. it's like these little things mm -hmm. um attention to detail attention to details mm -hmm. so high but the pressure and you know there's there's camaraderie but there's also competition mm -hmm. you know so it's not just uh you know everyone working together to for the restaurant's goal yeah, yeah. it's also like your individual goal to move mm. up within the kitchen structure mm, um and to you know hold your ground yeah because mm. it's a tough you know you do have to have thick skin yeah um you do have to show people what's up yeah. you know and like mm. that's kind of like even the chef you know even the chef has to show his cooks that he's capable of being the leader you know mm. it's like any kind of yeah. uh, you know Leadership just like role. Yeah. yeah lead by just example like hierarchy like you have to yeah exactly lead by example or just show people mm. you know um how to do it you yeah. know and a really good example okay. oh i was gonna ask is uh in the show the chef there's that part where um forget what his name is uh from community uh joe McHale comes in he's just like leaning over carmy he's oh, like he's the like, bear like, you mean yeah in, oh, oh yeah really sorry the bear the chef um, the chef in the bear. Yeah, yeah. He's basically hanging over him. He's like, you're not good. You're not good enough for this. You're not cut out. And he's like, he's like, what's the count? And he's like trying to mess him up with all these numbers. I was just wondering how like, cause have you, have you seen the, the show? The yeah. bear? Yeah. Like, like how is that? Is that really on point with like how? Definitely not as gentle as what oh, okay. said it. Oh, okay. You know, it's a little Much more rough. Oh, oh wow. even more rough. <laughs> but, okay. um, you know, there's there's a couple of types of chefs that I've experienced working with. There's the whispers, you know, that whisper that like you're nothing, like you have to move faster and like oh, you know, you're not doing. But then there's the yellers who are like you know really intense yelling, and you know, it just depends on what kind of what day it is. Yeah. Uh, so that's, but, so that's just always like that's no been the culture, and it's kind of changing now. It is, yeah. There's a lot of, um, you know, I mean, just in general the whole world is changing yeah. it's becoming people a little are more, caring more yeah maybe? caring more about people <laughs> being more sensitive to all types of things yeah, yeah. you know whether it's gender or yeah, your sexual orientation mm -hmm. and such and um ethnic background mm -hmm. um but i think you know there's ways to um i think get three stars without having that kind of mm -hmm. culture i think there's a lot of restaurants that do achieve that yeah. um mm -hmm. you know without it being 
you know harassment or, yeah. or just like you know a toxic environment yeah um but there is a need for also discipline and things that you know kind of will push you to do better for sure you know? so there's always going to be some of that you know yeah. kind of harsh influence yeah. to yeah. you know yeah. do something you don't want to do i yeah, guess i don't true. know were there ever either working at providence or um your experiences afterwards were there ever points where it was so difficult where you're just like totally overwhelmed like i can't fucking do this or like what am i you're, you're like you, you know? just break down like yeah, yeah. Or, or has it always been yeah, like this time. is just what i'm doing all the time <laughs> all the time but how do you get yourself yeah. back from that then you know when yeah. you have those moments like tell us about yes. that that's kind of. uh you know <laughs> i'm trying to think like <laughs> i mean there's always been little goals um you know and if you focus on the food you know the food will always kind of steer you in the right direction mm. um you know i think for me um the challenges of you know being away from your family and friends mm. working long hours um yeah getting yelled at and and kind of not being successful or like failing a lot you know is is part of you know the process um and for me um you know i've always embodied and this is you know something that hansei that we're doing right now this pop-up here um was very significant the name you know mm -hmm. self-reflection mm -hmm. um and usually japanese people do at the end of the year sometimes like if they get in trouble you know it's mm -hmm. like hansei and you kind of like look and like learn from the mistake mm -hmm. um, but as a young cook i always wrote notes because i would kind of forget it yeah. um but i would always end of the day write all my mistakes oh, nice. you know and then so that i didn't do it again mm. um but it's kind of one of those things where you know the food is and the guest you know is the most important thing yeah. and um if you take yourself away from that then that's when you get really kind of lost mm. you know but we're serving ultimately like you're cooking food and you're mm. serving it to a guest mm. and you know that guest either I mean, most most times they'll appreciate it, yeah. you know, no matter what it is, but either they like it or they don't. Mm -hmm. um, and you make sure that they feel comfortable. You give them water, beverage, you know, it's like a full sure experience. They, yeah, the experience mm -hmm. of hospitality, mm -hmm. you know, so um, always coming back to that. And I remind, you know, my cooks and I remind myself that, too. Sometimes mm -hmm. you step out in the dining room and you see like there's people here, you know, it's not just mm -hmm. like a metal box and we're just like doing all this yeah. destructive stuff you know yeah. it's like um you know we're, we're creating experience and we're yeah. providing love you know and yeah. like you know food yeah. nourishment for to people what is the so, main kind of like director at um 11 madison park who has the unreasonable hospitality um i think he was saying that it's like hospitality is what's that guy's okay, name right. Do, will yeah well will Gadera. yeah he yeah. was the um owner ha like they split now okay um in yeah. his book he was describing he's like hospitality is kind of like it's like one of the most selfish things because you you basically get gratification from like serving someone else you know it's kind of like in mm -hmm. a way it's like i love to like make someone else feel really great so in a way it's like how can i give the best service how yeah. can i think of the details how can i do this and it's kind of like the layers of it and describing he's like well i'm gonna be unreasonably hospitality mm. you know like like mm. hospitable where he's like going above and beyond 
Mm-hmm. And ultimately, that's what kind of got EMP was like two two Michelin stars, two to three. Oh, well, yeah. EMP jumped from one to three. So wow. they never got Dang. they never got two. OK, yeah. he just <laughs> excelled. Well, in in the book that uh, he wrote, Unreasonable Hospitality, he was talking about how they, in, they were invited to like a, a thing where it's like the top 50 um, restaurants, restaurants the and they were 50th and it was embarrassing. Yeah. And they were like, no. Like we're gonna go <laughs> drink some bourbon and figure this out, and that's kind of like what you're kind of like touching on, just like that change. Reflecting and yeah, yeah. and you know, I left Madison Park, um, so I started there in 2009 and left 2013. Oh, wow. But during that time, was that team was different? Like mm. that was a different culture, you know, different. Mm. Um, you know, New York restaurants in general to like have a different um just structure like they're just bigger mm-hmm. um they have the ability to you know really close down and like have these team oriented meetings um emp was the cultural was just um it was like a little mini country in new york really? you know it was like just yeah. like 50 i think it was like 50 or maybe even 100 wow. of us at a time wow. uh, would write down ideas and you know some of them would get thrown away some not um but that kind of culture really pushed that restaurant to be number mm-hmm. one and you know i I've, I've never worked at noma i've never worked at mm-hmm. el Bulli, um places that uh, also receive that kind of recognition mm-hmm. but most of them have um you know a culture and just groups of people in there mm-hmm. that um you know kind of creates um something special you That's know right. like that you can't just like replicate when you take it another place or it's pretty impressive different people imagine yeah. all those minds yeah you're bound to come up with some good stuff yeah, you had um, briefly mentioned hansei do you mm-hmm. want to talk about kind of what you got going on here and yeah. what you're developing here so yeah hansei um is a pop-up it's been running since august so it's about four five months old now um and it really started um from this garden you know i think um, coming down into the space and and seeing um, just the history and the story. Uh, this garden, uh, you can't see it from here, but it is a waterfall. Mm-hmm. And the waterfall uh, at the top of the garden represents our first generation of Japanese Americans who, have, um, you know, really had a rough time. You know, waterfall is rocky and stressful and it always goes, it's going in the same direction, but um, you know, to get there, it's very challenging. And the second generation, Nisei, you know, had a similar struggle, but a little bit, you know, less mm-hmm. crazy. And then the third and fourth are down here. And it's very calm, you know, and, um, you know, they don't have to, everything's kind of been done for them in a way. Um, and, you know, for me coming here, um, I'm, I'm a cook, you know, so for me, what I could provide the center was, you know, my ability to cook food, to tell a story within the food and really from a personal, um, you know, refre- reflection, you know, of my career and kind of what does it mean to cook Japanese American food, you know, and, and kind of it was very clear once I started to cook these dishes that we serve at Hansei and cook the dishes that I was serving some of our private guests and you know some of our other events that we do here that um i didn't have to question it as much you know uh, my background a lot of french american italian 
sushi japanese you know fusion places as well but this to me um you know was kind of like the calling like all right you're at the jaccc you know with this garden mm. that represents you know your heritage and your culture so now it's time to just you know cook my food um you know and try to understand japanese american cooking mm. that's amazing you know? yeah that's really cool so what about the let's see sorry. oh no i was just gonna say you gotta love that type of clarity when you feel like something's like calling you that way yeah. or just seems you know like the right like where you need to be path you need to take <laughs> yeah it's it's been um you know been cooking for 20 years but hanse really kind of gave me the direction to you know take it just one way mm. um hanse itself is a you know multi-course experience starts from the garden um and then it ventures on during summer in the patio we pushed it back into the dining room for winter um but there's a few spaces and then we have this beautiful counter space that we serve some of our main courses. Um, but again, it's just, it's all about um, kind of telling a story, you know, and I think that story, um, like a lot of stories, <laughs> this, you know, during the pandemic have to be told, yeah. you know, and I think that's really what pushed um, a lot of us chefs to really kind of go that direction, be who we are and, you know, say what we want to say. Excellent. Yeah. So with that, are you, like, um, do you see more like chefs or more people just like being more vulnerable and like, you know, doing more content related things like yeah. because they know that, you know, that story needs to be shared mm -hmm. and that's really cool. Yeah. Thanks Definitely. for being here with us. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Thanks for coming and, yeah, you know, yeah. so what are some of the maybe dishes or cuisines or I guess the the food focus of Hansei. So the food focus, um, I think is always really a product, you know, and I think for me, um, I go to the farmer's market sometimes twice a week, but definitely every Wednesday at Santa Monica. Um, and that that's not necessarily Japanese American, you know, uh, but I do feel like there's some Japanese American farms that really have you know, created a, a amazing, um, you know, bounty of produce in California. Um, but I think using products first and then treating it, seasoning it a certain way, um, you know, that's really what makes my job kind of easy, you know? So that's the initial, um, you know, step to creating great food or a great dining experience. Um, when I don't go to the market, I just order it from, wherever you know yeah. like it, it could come from a really good food mm. uh you know produce purveyor but i still don't feel comfortable mm. like that is the best um i handpick everything you know mainly just because um the connection to the farmers but also just i could just feel it and see it mm. you know i kind of know what i'm serving you know i'll be honest to the guests mm. um and as far as the progression of the meal um that takes time you yeah. know that's kind of something that you know um with experience you know you you, you kind of know what you need to serve first and what you need to serve last mm. um you know there's a whole um what is that called progression mm. to a meal um that fine dining chefs kind of understand because they'll be serving you know food in small little bites mm. um that's what we do here um and those bites um you, know, you can't start out with like a heavy bite. Yeah. You know, it always has to be yeah. somewhat lighter, mm. 
you know um and in this case it's 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 pretty cold still okay. so we start with a warm soup yeah. nice. you know for example that soup is fire yeah. oh my <laughs> gosh <laughs> Wait, like my um shout outs to sam and lydia from steep but they were they were talking that that up after the meal because we were you know <laughs> comparing notes yeah. that's what you do but it was like it was like a crudite of like vegetables mm -hmm. and then like uh, what was the i was it we arrived late so we didn't no one told well, the, the, uh, the dipping sauce. Yeah, so the sauce is a uh, bagna cauda, but it's a uh, vegan. Yeah, bagna cauda is typically anchovy, okay. um, olive oil. Oh, it's like a fondue. Like they, uh, I'm trying to think where you'd be able to find it. Alimento used to do a really good one, and they'd have like it was warm though. Okay. Um, and it's like garlic, mm -hmm. anchovies, oh. parsley, olive oil. Um, and it's all like cooked down. You just blend it, just create this yeah. like really savory. Like yeah. just, but what no. we do is we use Meyer lemon, uh, garlic and miso, mm. olive oil. Mm. So it's vegan. Mm. Um, that tends to just kind of be um, the better direction. That I think yeah, food yeah. a lot of times is I try to make it vegan yeah. or dairy free and, and gluten free. Especially because uh, anchovies such a yeah, it's strong. Strong. it is <laughs> a different strong. yeah it's a different flavor um it's still really delicious but mm -hmm. for me to start the meal uh -huh. um i'd rather just have something yeah. um you know a little bit more like tart and yeah. kind of like mm, refreshing sour yeah sour so the that bagna cauda is more like lemon mm. bitter yeah. Meyer lemon bitter forward um and then the soup was yeah curry cabbage yeah. um a little fried buckwheat uh, but yeah okay, that was like talk. yeah because yeah. like when you to paint the picture is like it's, i think we had like a six o'clock reservation it's cold outside you know la before this weird heat wave mm -hmm. but you come in you eat the bagnacata you get like that nice crunch feel and then they come i was like oh i didn't order tea but it's like oh no it's just like curry soup and then that just like that like warms your soul mm. set you, you know? up just nice <laughs> yeah you know give it's me like a hug curry <laughs> feet, you know? it's a japanese american curry yeah. soup for the soul yeah. you know yeah. you kind of get that and then it's also kind of cool because like the the, the cup is warm too mm. so then that just kind of like it warms up the conversation it warms up like the people who are you know kind of entering the space and then honestly after that i felt invigorated so i'm like all right let's eat get give me some <laughs> balls of sake let's, yeah, let's go yeah. and then you kind of like walk this through like i think what was the next couple oh you're you're like the oysters oysters yeah yeah very playful um a lot of things are you know really pr presentation first especially when you're overlooking a garden like this mm -hmm. it's hard to just have like you know white <laughs> china and like silverware mm -hmm. you know you kind of have to dress it up the you know driftwood oysters on a driftwood mm -hmm. was like a uh, kind of idea that i initially had just looking at the the river and the, our little stream here um to kind of pull something out of the water and like serve it to a guest um was like yeah the really the thought behind it um and then using a lot of our plants we forage and kind of use it more mm -hmm. for table presentation or plate present not necessarily eating it um but it helps really the aesthetic of like kind of a natural bringing the garden to you um kind of feel but yeah oysters uh followed by a vegetable zensai set which is a traditional japanese offering which yeah really um and you know invigorates the season mm -hmm. right so that's kind of like this is the season that you're in so uh we serve turnip 
um, kumquat in a window. Oh, yeah. Kumquat. Uh, in, the, in the spoon? Yeah, in the spoon. That cool. Um, we basically use uh, sparkling sake and simple syrup and cooked kumquat in it. And then we uh, use gelatin and set it so it creates like a, a little perfect cube. Mm. Um, and that's kind of like a you know a wow you know dish dishes sometimes need like kind of like a wow yeah. factor mm. so that's kind of yeah a little panache <laughs> but also like palate cleansing mm -hmm. in a way but it it is kumquat you know citrus mm. season in winter yeah and it just kind of sets the tone um but yeah all those appetizers have meaning the cornflake crusted mm. bonbons and the cornflake crusted chicken with caviar yeah. um those are a very you know memorable dish from my childhood Mm. which was my mom uh crusting chicken wings and cornflakes mm. it's a pretty american thing but you yeah. know she would douse it in teriyaki sauce and yeah. you know we'd serve it's it with a sauce. dried ramen noodle yeah. salad and cabbage that nice like sesame Chris. sesame yeah. oil I really, I really do love so like good. the ode to like your, your mother's cooking in it yeah and you know kind of like how you're incorporating that in your current like build yeah definitely. excellent you man that sounds so delicious all talking about this this food and whatnot um so like when it comes to the creation of the dishes correct yes how is that process for you um before the pod you had mentioned you know there's um something you had made a twist on the california roll mm -hmm. so before we get to the california roll because i'd love to hear more about that yeah what is your process i guess when it comes to approaching the creation of new dishes yeah, so again, the really the market drives that, you know, I think also the season, you know, of course, um, you know, you don't want to eat like pot roast in summer, you know, you'd <laughs> yeah. rather eat like some kind of grilled meat or something lighter, mm. right? So like the season um, being in tune, and that's why I go to the market, you know, because then I could kind of see mm. what's going on. Um, you know, if you go there in the middle of season, sometimes it's really kind of like, bear or like mm. it's not as like but if you go now like like fall and like early winter stuff is like there you know there's a lot of citrus mm -hmm. and there's still a lot of squash and, and pumpkins um apples and and things that kind of are still like later fall but then winter typically you think of winter as a stark you know yeah. like when i was living in new york new york i i was like man there's nothing here it's cold you know, and, and there's like root vegetables and, you know, sunchokes and kind of things that are like grown in the ground. But here we have citrus, you know, so citrus season is winter. So that's where you're kind of focusing a lot of the food around. Um, and then as far as creation of dishes, California roll came from, um, you know, something that I had thought of a long time ago, you know, like, oh, man, like when I'm thinking of Japanese American food, first thing I think of is California rolls. Mm. Um, teriyaki, probably some kind of sushi, you know, like dragon roll and like things that are kind of like very American style sushi. Um, and so that's kind of where these other dishes that I pulled up, like cornflake crust, that's more like a little bit uh, more at your house. Yeah. Or like very, you know, traditional Japanese American food is potlucks, mm. you know, and like at community centers, you'd see like, um, you know, cornflake crusted things like tamale pie, um, baked spaghetti, um, mm. a lot of mix mosh of, mm. of food um, that Japanese try to, Japanese Americans try to adopt and make it their own. 
um, California roll came out of, you know, I want to do a really good California roll, mm-hmm. you know, just like really good wor- rice from California, Coda Farms, organic rice, um, high quality Japanese cucumbers and avocado from the market, mm-hmm. um, fresh crab. Oh. Um, and I think what happened was um, putting just a great California roll on a plate didn't really do much. So mm-hmm. I thought of more of a, um, like a starter course. And so that's why it's really like a appetizer hors d'oeuvre mm. in a way. Um, there is some tricks to it as far as the layering of it. Mm-hmm. So what I do is crispy nori, dungeness crab, layered under, or I'm sorry, layered on top of a thin slice of cucumber. Mm-hmm. So it kind of like stabilizes it. Mm-hmm. It's not just a bunch of stuff. Um, and then I use the crystallized soy as an adherent mm. to some of the veg and the sea urchin. So it doesn't slip off. Mm-hmm. Um, I've kind of got it now where it's very stable and I'll have like maybe one out of, you know, a hundred that'll fall over mm-hmm. or like fall apart. Yeah. Um, and I also started to like temper it a little mm-hmm. bit. So mm-hmm. I pull it out. So what I do is I build it a couple hours before service, mm-hmm. put it in the fridge. Oh, Now, um, cause I experienced another restaurant um, tasting menu that I, I know preset stuff in like the, it was too cold uh, so it didn't feel it felt mm. like it felt like it was pre yeah. so that you know so now i temper it mm. you know to get it to room temp so that it loses the chill Got you it. know um and then i'll put fresh grind fresh wasabi um and then top it with sesame and soy um, but that's like become really my signature dish Oof. you know um it's highly public i mean it's i didn't really expect it to be like that <laughs> you know i expected um some of the other dishes maybe to be a little more successful mm-hmm. in a way um but that dish in itself has a great story mm-hmm. you know it has a lot of significant meaning for me mm-hmm. um it's crab sea urchin and <laughs> on yeah. top of a crispy rice a nori chip like that's you know you can't really hate it so yeah. it's a really really solid dish yeah. that's, bomb. that's come out of there and yeah. that, uh, that i think Potentially, it could be, too, that even for a lot of Americans and Californians, especially who are afraid of eating just like classic sushi with just like the raw fish and the rice, even if they are uh, a little opposed to just classic sushi, they're open to California rolls or everyone kind of has like an experience where they've kind of have touched that. So probably the new spin on that is like why everyone's like wow yeah everyone's because everyone's had a california roll. yeah like everyone's had teriyaki sauce yeah and those are the two things that everyone's kind of had yeah you know that's like really japanese american yeah. so it is common very, that's awesome yeah they're like the entry ways to like you know exploring much more complex kind of like like foods and stuff like that because california rolls the base for all those like dragon rolls and mm-hmm. all those other things right yeah and then teriyaki is like you know usually like you can get it at Wawa Grill yeah. and all these other things. So when people are interested in that, it allows you that kind of vehicle to show them, you know, like raw uni mm. or like, you know, fresh, fresh, actual wasabi. Yeah. You know, kind of gateway. That. Okay, yeah. <laughs> and then when you do it, when you take something that's so like the foundation of food and like flip it on its head and kind of make it new, that's exciting. You know, I don't know if you've seen a, uh, have you seen glass onion yet yeah yeah like the disruptors yeah you know yeah. you take something and you break it and you make something new that's kind of like 
what he did with the California roll because no one's touched that yeah. in how long. But it's like yeah. a stable of food that you're like, oh, well, I'm going to do this. Yeah. And it's like, what? But then when you like, like, well, when I eat it, I eat the first bite. Like, I close my eyes and like, just like, yeah. <laughs> well, you shut like, down for oh, a moment. No, I close my Take eyes to like, like, sense all the taste, like how it reminds me of a California roll. And then like, you know, it, it, it definitely replicates that. And then you're like, and then, you know, I obviously when you look at it, it's, like, it's beautifully stacked mm. and everything, but like, it just, it just gives you that ratatouille moment, <laughs> you know, where you're like, oh, like tasting the flavors, yeah, flavor on your head, like. you know, and I think that's good for people who are interested in Hansei's knowing that like something is, is familiar to them, Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. and then it branches out into, you know, the other kind of, um, things that are also on your menu, right? Yeah. yeah. So I've got two questions for <laughs> you. What are, I guess, your goals with the space and what you're doing here? Or what do you have like a main goal um, for, you know, what you'd like to achieve with uh, what you're currently doing? And my second question would be, is there anything that you're kind of really excited about, whether it be with your project here or just in general? Yeah, so the main goal of the coming year here uh, is really to just kind of tie up loose ends. Mm. You know, and that's mainly Hansei, you know, has been successful and people enjoy themselves. Um, but I think once we focus on, um, you know, our downfalls or kind of things we need to improve on, there's a lot, mm. you know, and I think, um, you know, me like taking a couple of weeks to really like look at like, the good things but really importantly the bad things that mm. we need to work on um aesthetic uh you know the flow of the service mm. whether it's cold or hot you mm. know we kind of realized some of these things that uh you know we didn't know before you know when it got cold of a sudden we were kind of like oh what should we do push it back a little bit mm. um the patio and then we it's all the way back in the room now because it was it's really uncomfortable for our guests mm. um you know there's certain things that like napkins um we didn't have enough you know so we oh. kind of like we're using paper napkins at one point which you know feels kind of cheap and um you know people were you know opposed to that so kind of adding to what we built mm-hmm. is the goal for hansei also to look at the structure of the kitchen and yeah. our storage space mm-hmm. things that um you know have nothing to do with food mm-hmm. necessarily yes. um, but more operations yeah. and more like what we could do on top of what we've been doing um, and make it better, you know, bring more people in. And my goal, my real goal is to bring more people in here, Mm. you know, to collaborate, um, to kind of work together and start creating that culture, you know, that I've, I've experienced in past restaurants and really to kind of maybe not make it a pop-up, but like a a restaurant, you know, that can continue and grow. That's dope. Um, And then, yeah, very excited to do, um, again, collaborations with this guy too. Yeah, uh, Let's get it. you know, doing some more community, you know, backed uh, events and food. You know, I think Hunts is great and everything, but I also enjoy um, doing really low key mm. chicken teriyaki. Yeah, yeah. You know, really. This, I yeah. mean, we're doing a little Tokyo Dog, you know, spin oh, yeah. off of it um, yeah. at a movie night at the Budokan. Yeah, so, yeah. so uh, my event, that. Budokan Cinema, I made sure you know to look after the people that like supported me so i asked chris ono i was like hey can you like do like the hot bar like for food 
and stuff like that. And he's like, okay, I'm gonna put together this like little Tokyo dog because you know that's so dope. We have a uh, buttery <laughs> yeah. popcorn doing like futakake popcorn, which is a nice American spin on like you know the usual buttered popcorn. Cafe dolces, um, bringing in like donuts and other stuff. But to round it out, I'm like, you know, some people they like to eat a hot dog. At yes. a movie, yeah. you know, yep. not my friend Sherman because he got sick for thirty days one time. Oh, wow! But <laughs> but like the point is, it's like it's always it's there. Yeah. You know, yeah. you see it dancing on the screen to go get your concessions, and yeah. it's just like, what better guy to like you know, take a hot dog and flip it on its head yeah. than the dude who reinvented the California <laughs> rule, right? You know, so we're, I'm I'm actually super excited. He hasn't told me anything about it, uh, and I'm, I'm like, just just feed me whatever R and D kind of like like food and share stuff the like details that. when's it happening like is like, it open to the public like uh, what just for the background noise if you could talk keep it oh, closer keep to it, you just keep it keep it really close guys yeah. <laughs> you're nothing <laughs> um uh <laughs> basically um budokan cinema it's gonna be january 21st which uh for some might be difficult because it is lining up with lunar new year but january 21st at the terasaki budokan that's located on los angeles uh street um, we'll be having, you know, popcorn, cafe dolce, Chris Ono with his hot dog. Um, we'll also be rounding out the event with a Q&A from uh, two of my professors from LMU and um, Cal State uh, San Bernardino. And the movie is Makoto Shinkai's Weathering With You. Ooh. And for those that don't know Makoto Shinkai, he's considered like the next Hayao Miyazaki so it should be a good turnout but it's basically this idea that i've had to bring anime back to the big screen in little tokyo it's cool you know it so only cool. seems right because you know it's such a pivotal point of like my heritage that i'm like hey like let's bring people in yeah you know let's do something for the community let's make it bigger let's make it better let's improve it and you know hopefully set it up for the next generation you know, so yeah. but that's that's my thing. That's nice. super dope and very exciting. We're going to keep the dipped in nonsense listeners all posted about that. If you're in Southern California, come support our boys. Yep. Atticus Warhol, Shift Chris. Oh, no. Yep. Coming out here, collabing on some fun stuff. We'll just ask a couple of just random fun questions and then we'll uh, wrap up for the day. Yeah. My first random question would be uh what's your favorite flavor is there something that you lean towards is there like something that for your own personal cooking you're like i can't do without this <laughs> that's a loaded question that's a loaded <laughs> 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 um you know for me it's definitely ginger and garlic mm. you know i think like those are always the two um like back flavors that mm. enhance you know my savory dishes because if you talk about sweet that's totally different mm. um but i mean that's again that's loaded i mean um i always try to use some kind of alcohol too yeah. in my cooking oh. whether that's red wine beer sake mm. you know there's always there's these like subtle things you mm. know and then, of course chili yeah any kind of chili like and you know, you're, there was a dish, yeah, that we put on that was very spicy for everyone. Um, <laughs> you're like, what? <laughs> you know, for me, it's like I I prefer yeah. that kind of experience. Yeah. You know, and then I'm like, I'm so sorry. You should order a beer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We have beers, so you should order a beer yeah. and cool it down. You cool that. <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, 
you've worked in New York and then also in Japan. Uh, any other places and, you know, what are, what's something like the biggest thing you learned from those spaces or just, you know, appreciated out of those experiences? Um, I mean, New York, I'll start with New York because Japan was only a few months. Um, New York is just, it's just a, a city on crack. Hmm. You know, like it's just like <laughs> the speed, sleep, yeah. uh, the competitive edge there. Yeah. You know, you just walk faster, do things, talk faster. Mm. You say what you want, really mean. Um, you know, I think that helped me to kind of just be a little bit more um, intentional, mm. you know, and like the competitive the competitive drive there was, you know, another level. Like we, you know, I remember we come to work and like just be waiting to get in so we could run and get the cutting board and the pan that we needed um, to, to, you know, perform wow. yeah. at a high level. Um, but yeah, just, I think being around that kind of energy and that kind of, um, you know, talent, uh, you know, push you in a certain way. Mm. Japan, I mean, that's just, something else yeah. mm. that i can't really describe mm. the you know the focus on the product yeah. you know from the top to bottom you know you don't think of there's no organic and non-organic and this this happens in so many countries even like third world countries mm. like they don't have organic everything's organic yeah you know yeah. so it's like we're, we're we're unfortunately the u.s is like you know very big business yeah. industrial mining commercialized products so we deal with this you know disillusion of what's good and what's bad um but japan for sure the food was impeccable you know yeah, like yeah. every everything that you see there is like just amazing um i think getting a perspective for me the most important thing i took out of my experience there was knowing that there are amateur cooks there mm. and i i thought going there that there was just all going to be a bunch of like Top crazy of yeah <laughs> just crazy like you know uh chef morimoto's every like everywhere you know like just like ninja chefs you know mm. but it wasn't like that um i learned you know kind of who i am and i'm not japanese yeah. you know and so that's kind of also the direction i'm going now is mm. japanese american and trying to be who i am well you know yes. and as a you know ethnic group in the united states um you know sometimes we forget you know where who we are and like mm -hmm. what our our culture and our, our genetic you know makeup is and over there you know over here i feel very japanese mm -hmm. over there i felt very mm -hmm. american mm -hmm. you know so i'm trying to put it all together and be like uh this is who i am and mm -hmm. you know i'm not shying away from it um you know i'm not i don't have to do kaiseki or like mm -hmm. traditional edamai sushi mm -hmm. um i could do what i want and try to uh, make sure that the next generation, you know, could just be who they are. Straight up! So, nice. so I got like a, a three-part question, but uh, kind of like isolated. So if you had to choose a fast food burger of your choice, which one would it In be? In-N-Out. <laughs> yeah. See, he's a man of the people. He understands. I was about to say, I was like, there's no right or wrong answer, but there is a wrong answer. Yeah, really? Yeah, yeah. You know? How do you feel about the fries? Solid. Come on! Solid. Solid. Chris Ono says solid. that the In-N-Out fries are solid. The hand-cut fries that go straight... The 
thank you. I, no, I like well you heard done. it from him. Well what are we talking yeah, about? Well <laughs> They're fresh. Right. I mean, fresh and cut. Right. Then we can go to your. Anyway, I'm not confirmation. I'm not answering my own question. So, okay. If you had, or what is your, in the LA area or anywhere, where is your favorite Mexican food place to get tacos? Oh, man. I mean, you don't got to blow up your own spot, but like, you know, just. Yeah, I mean, for, I, I grew up on the West Side, you know? Okay. So. The side. There's different ones. El um, for like their their wet burrito where they oh, throw ooh, um, burrito. the roja the sauce on it um, there's a taco stand brothers cousins uh, off of uh, Sepulveda National that uh, is unreal okay. and mainly because you know they you could tell it's like a family that does it and just the way that they care about what they're doing mm-hmm. um you know I, sometimes you go to a taco stand and like mm-hmm. there's not that much love there mm-hmm. you know and it's just kind of like <laughs> the energy's kind of whack mm-hmm. and the food be, could be so good but yeah. you know it's really about again you know coming from someone's hands to you it's you know it's more meaningful um but yeah those i mean those are my two go-to taco spots yeah sure. the east side i think Reign supreme um, in a lot of ways, yeah. but I'll stick to the west side. Yeah, so yeah. For sure. where I'm from. The west side, it's where it's at. You know. <laughs> um, last question, because we talked about it. Where is your favorite teriyaki chicken bowl? Ooh, that's a good one. Right. Wow. Or, or just teriyaki in general. You know, you can kind of. Man. Bro, I mean, just listen, man. You're, so, you're, so I, I like, I will say that a couple years back, I did a chicken teriyaki tour, and ooh. I tried to find, and they all sucked. Uh, so I, I will say that the best, the best chicken teriyaki oh. will come from the Buddhist temples and the community centers oh. when they have their uh, obon festivals. Wow, you know, and I'm one to I curate one in Venice. Okay. We did it. We did our a bond this year, um, but there's also a lot of room for improvement. Yeah. Uh, we got these gas propane tanks. I, I think charcoal is definitely mm-hmm. the way to go. Um, but I will say that internally, you will never hear it in public, but there everyone's competing for that price. Mm. You know, all the bonds in the city. Oh, it's a fight. Like, oh, we yeah, have gang wars really? internally. <laughs> we got the best chicken. Tank. Yeah, oh. tell him. Yeah, but it's you know to me. Um, that's where you find the best chicken teriyaki. Oh, I love that. It's in the community, I mean, I, for sure. I think, like, I think you're on to something, man, because, you know, I was <laughs> talking about a curry cook-off of maybe the chicken teriyaki uh, off. Yeah. That's... It would be something. Pure, purely sure. j- Japanese-American, because it's like... It that's the real deal. Yeah. Ooh, well, you heard it here first. You know, it came from Chris Ono's head. Chef you fight know? to the death. Hey, yeah. man. Little Tokyo food fight. Oh, that's good. Like, <laughs> Squid Game. I'm down. Yeah. Based on the teriyaki down. dishes, you get eliminated. <laughs> Chris Ono just sends you a bowl and be like, challenge you. Yeah. yeah let's go. Ono S. Have you ever, like, collabed with another chef, like, in a way, like an you know, an artist collabs with another artist or a producer, music what? producer, or anything like that. And uh, is that something that you really enjoyed? Is that like an 
can can you see that as like a popular thing or trendy thing happening? Because I feel like there's like a lot of communities, for example, like the podcast community where everyone does their own thing, but now they're all, you know, hopping on each other's podcasts and it's like creating an even bigger, mm-hmm. like or stronger like, community. What was Kim Prince's spot? Um, Hot Bull Chicken? Oh. Or? So like, uh, there's a shout out Kim Prince. She owns um, uh, a chicken sandwich spot, chicken mm-hmm. spot called Hot chicken. It's hot, called Hotville. Hotville hot chicken. Hot and so, what do they call those particular hot Kentucky? What is it? It's called the hot. Oh, uh, 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 what is it? Hot. Uh, Nashville hot chicken. Nashville yeah. hot chicken. So her family like uh. pretty much invented it, and so she has a shop there. But I thought what was interesting when we were talking to her is like, she's got a partnership with other uh, women restaurant business owners around LA, and so they'll feature different food items on each other's menus and it'll be like you know this month on their menu kim prince will have her particular dish on their menu so yeah just collaborating with artists in that way yeah yeah. have you had experience with that um yeah i mean i think definitely a lot of experience not as much like the focus Mm -hmm. you know i think like behind the scenes when you know i worked with a lot of chefs um and if you're like the CDC and the exec chef, like that's collaboration in itself. You could kind of bounce ideas off each other. Um, I think doing like certain events for, you know, for people is always like, you know, doing the Japan house, we did an event there and that's kind of collaboration in terms of like each chef doing a dish, you know, to really represent themselves and, you know, do a fundraising event. Um, I did the, the, the best, I mean, the thing I always draw to is when I first moved back from New York to LA, I worked at Esther's Santa Monica with Jeremy Fox and we started doing a burger night, mm-hmm. you know, and that was very successful. Um, you know, it started internally. Jeremy Fox did one and then Brian Ng from Casilla um, did one. We had kind of like the whole Rustic Canyon, uh, you know, some of the chefs um, do it. And then we had like Nancy Silverton, um, I'm starting to think who else was like uh, Wolf's Mouth, um, Craig Thompson, and um, you know certain certain like kind of locally you know known um, chefs who nice. came in. Um, Jessica Largi of Simone did one, um, and that was like a cool thing because it was very focused. You know, like just like um, you know just do a burger, yeah, and then make you know, it great, make great, yeah. <laughs> and so everyone had their own personal, and that was kind of a personal thing. Everyone does burger different way yeah you know i've seen pizza collaborations you know i think it's a fun way to kind of um bring people together and you know their people have to come too and they kind of bring like supporters from each chef you know to like really you know do something special spread it out that's really dope because weren't you talking about some place in portland that does that oh yeah so in portland what they'll do is like every month they'll have like a as let's say this month it's like wing wednesday is like the yeah. thing and so every restaurant will do like even if they don't normally serve wings for this month they'll have their like 50 cent wings in their own special so they all just kind of around the city will that's have like cool. discounted yeah. dish stuff that's really tight are you pretty good idea yeah. my uh last question i think we'll wrap up because i can smell the rain coming i can smell the water in the air yeah. um wow. so are you all organic is it organic or nothing as much as you can be? Or does it- uh, yeah, as much as I can be. Because yeah. even farms will say that they're not 100% organic. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it's like uh, responsible farming. Mm-hmm. Um, but I will say I'm 100% like I'll go for the product. Yeah. You know, like I look 
at the product first mm. you know whether it's meat or fish or vegetables and fruit um you know that to me is like if i don't do that then i don't feel right if mm. i don't feel right it's not gonna be good well, um yeah. so no organic is a tough mm. you know word to throw around you know because mm. like organic flour and, and sugar uh i'm not you yeah. know um but i will still be responsible you know in terms of like making sure that whatever i put on the plate mm. you know i've i've over i've looked at it yeah you know and, and felt good about like okay you know we'll serve this to our guests because it's like you know my mom comes in here a lot too so i'm feeding my mom you know like yeah. so i'm not gonna you know feed my mom something that you know is kind of questionable yeah. you know um and that comes also with the experience too you know like having um the discipline to just throw something in the trash yeah, yeah. you know it's like a you know decision you have to like make because it's you gotta make it over you know mm. you get you waste you're wasting yeah. money um and you know but at the same time um you know these things matter you know and, and for me it's like i'm not gonna um take a shortcut you know just because um you know Whatever i made a reason. mistake yeah. i'm gonna own the mistake and try to fix it in the moment is it's really challenging sometimes when that happens um but you know from my experience um it's worth effort you know because then that one person you know won't see that and they'll feel um fulfilled and yeah. like you know satisfied love handled with care love handled yeah well it it's seems like love. you handle everything you do with care chris you're the, you're the fucking man man <laughs> Woo, this boy he on fire <laughs> You guys have any um, final oh, thoughts or any, do you have anything, any, anything you'd like to announce, share with the no, people? No, I just really appreciate uh, you guys having me on. Mm. And it's been it's been fun. Yeah. yeah we'll try to do it more often. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we could, honestly. Yeah. And uh, we absolutely appreciate you for being our guest today. Shout out to the JACC for allowing us to use the space. Um, final thoughts and then we'll wrap up for this, uh, you know, day, night, evening, whenever you're listening. We love you. Come visit us at uh, Budokan Cinema mm -hmm. and hope you keep living deliciously. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, I think that uh, you definitely should come to Budokan <laughs> in January 21st. Yeah. Um, this is the last pod before the year ends. Oh, yeah. So and it's, any, you know, New Year's resolutions or. That's true. All right. I mean, that's prime rib. Yeah. <laughs> My New Year's resolution is to get comfortable with productive discomfort. So in a lot of situations in life, you got to do things that you don't want to do or, you know, get up earlier or whatever it may be. And part of that discomfort and process leads to growth. So my New Year's resolution and my personal challenge to myself for this upcoming year is to embrace the suck pause, but to get comfortable with the discomfort um, so I can progress at a faster rate. And that's where a lot of my focused energies will be. Uh, I want to progress a lot within the next year. So that would be my message to the people is uh, don't be afraid to put yourself in situations of discomfort. So that way you can get to that growth or that place or that position that you really want to be in. Um, so that's my final thought. Nice. I think uh, I agree with that. That's something that I want to work on because there's a lot of things that we do that we don't always want to do. So <laughs> just getting comfortable pushing through it. I agree with that. Um, also, just like I guess maybe it ties into it a little bit, but um, just better time management. I realized that um, 
you know, there's a, there's a lot that we want to get done. And, you know, there's just like some bad habits of like after, you know, six or seven, just like putting it, you know, turn on TV or something like that. So just like, yeah. you know, not doing that, you know, like I think it's fine to relax and everything. So just, I don't know, just adjusting my schedule, kind of pushing uh, myself more, uh, get that discipline and you know every time i like come to something <laughs> and i know that it's the best thing for me to do um even if i don't want to do it i just yeah just do it now because i'll definitely build up the uh the worry or the over you know that overwhelming mm -hmm. feeling when you just continue to like i'm pushing it off push it off and then yep. it just adds this weight of like fuck i got a lot yep. to do <laughs> for sure yeah so time management for me yeah 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 New Year's resolutions? Not, not really. I think like this year, this has gone by so fast. So I'm trying to, just want to like slow down. Yeah, be in the present. Mm -hmm. You know, just be more. Yeah, just be more in the present. Slow down. Check off a lot of boxes, but at the same time, kind of just appreciate it. You know, because I think now we're out of COVID, and you know, it's really cool to see a lot of different things that came mm -hmm. out of the past couple of years. And yeah, let's just celebrate. You know, being in the moment. You know. Yeah. That's Absolutely. Oh my gosh, guys. This is an incredible episode. Thank you guys so much for supporting us, listening to us through this year. We would be nothing without y'all. We love you all. Thank you so much. I hope you guys have a wonderful uh, start to the 2023, and we'll see y'all next year. It's been the Dipped in Nonsense podcast. We'll catch you, crazy kids, next time. Mm-hmm. <laughs>